Now, from the Mousecapade Studios, here are your hosts. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Brad. We pray that you're all staying safe and happy and healthy. This is episode 665, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Before we get started, we'd like to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on just about any budget. It only takes a $200 refundable deposit to hold your reservation. Text us today for a free quote at 636-395-0544. So I wanted to first apologize listeners for the audio on Wednesday's show. It was a little bit different. Like I said, we were we were out of town on vacation, so it was a little bit different setup. I'm hoping to be closer to where we really should be today. Um, we got a little different setup today. Hopefully it'll be better. Um, so with Halloween coming up in just two days, we thought it would be fun to learn a little bit about Disney's Halloween history and how they started the celebrations all over the world. Now, every Disney park around the world has its own unique Halloween celebration, but most of those celebrations started much smaller than they have become today. So in the early days, Halloween was not considered a family-friendly holiday. So, of course, Disney didn't recognize it as a holiday, quote. Um, so Vic, why don't you go ahead and get us started and tell us about the first Disney Halloween party. So Disneyland had their first Halloween celebration in 1959, which is interesting because the park opened in 1955. So it was four years later before they brought the Halloween celebrations into the parks. But before that, before the park even opened, Disney characters and floats were a part of the Anaheim Halloween parade. Then in 1959, Walt decided to bring the Halloween parade into the park with something that he named the Parade of Pumpkins. So the Saturday before Halloween, uh, Disney had cast members put a thousand pumpkins outside the gates of the park. It was a picnic and event area that once sat near Disneyland's main entrance. It was called Holiday Land. And guests who wanted to participate in the parade and the pumpkin carving contest took home a pumpkin and would return on Halloween with the costume and their carved pumpkin to parade in front of judges. Now, at the time, that seemed like ambitious thing for them to take on, but as we all know, Walt it was an ambitious guy. He thought high, and actually, this is kind of true if you're doing RSVPs, if you invite a thousand people, you can plan on about 50%, which is 500. So that's probably what he was thinking. So they put these a thousand pumpkins outside he wasn't trying to get tens of thousands of people. He just hoped that he would get at least part of the pumpkins back. So sure enough, the next week, 500 carved pumpkins came back to the park. And after they were all judged, kids took their creations to Fantasyland's Mickey Mouse Club Theater to receive a prize. And when the festivities were all over, the contestants and their chaperone received a free admission to Disneyland for the day, which I'm sure was a thrill for them. I know if someone told me today, that I was going to win a free admission to Disney World or Disneyland, I would be thrilled. I would be beyond thrilled, actually. 
it's just amazing how times have changed. I can't even logistically imagine how they would even attempt something like this now. That means that he gave, because it says the contestants, it didn't say just the prize winners, all of the contestants. So 500 contestants and their chaperones. So that's a thousand people got free tickets. Absolutely. Those things don't happen anymore. <laughs> no. And even though that 1959 Parade of Pumpkins was a huge success, Disneyland did not host another Halloween event again until 1968. And it was a one day Halloween parade. Cause that seemed like a big success. So I bet it was because our country wasn't quite where it needed to be. That, that would be my speculation. That is nothing that I read. I looked for more information on that and no one seemed to have a reasoning behind it. Again, Halloween wasn't always as big of a deal as it is now. Correct. It has become much more of a big deal these days than it was back then. And again, I don't think, like this said, you know, Disney didn't really want to build it up because it wasn't really considered a family-friendly holiday. So that may be another reason that played into the, the gap. I don't know. But in the 70s, Walt Disney World in Florida did host a modest weekend Halloween party with themed entertainment and activities. And I say modest because in comparison to what Disney does today, they definitely were. And these events were typically held after hours with live music, magic shows, and parades, which are geared towards adults. And Disney spokespeople have been quoted as saying, Halloween was not a quote, Disney holiday. Halloween was for older kids because it had this scary or even sometimes gory angle to it. And if there was gonna be a family-friendly Halloween, it was going to be on your street. I guess meaning on your own street. Right, and again, it has come so far on our own street versus what it is now at Disney. Because when I was younger, yes, I was alive in the 70s, and we trick-or-treated on our streets. Like the goriest thing that would happen is you went to the neighbor's house and they had peeled grapes or cooked spaghetti in a bowl and they had you put your hand in there and you had to imagine what it was. There weren't these gory costumes where you wore uh, axes in your head or you carried swords or your face was all bloody. I mean, you might have a vampire or two here and there and a witch, like the funny witches like you would think of in Wizard of Oz or something like that. And I'm guessing that that was what Disney was trying to stay away from. Again, this is all speculation on my part, but I could see family-friendly back then versus family-friendly now is insane. Yes, my, how far we've come with what's considered gory and what's considered scary and what's considered family-friendly. By far. All of the above. Right. So yeah. So then you fast forward a little bit more into the 80s and the Disney parks started to get even more ambitious with their Halloween celebrations because, you know, as time progresses, things are just ramping up and ramping up. So Disney kind of goes with the flow and does the same with their celebrations of that quote unquote holiday. And so they start to have themed merchandise and Halloween specific events and so stuff like that. So that takes us through the 80s. So Vic, what about the 90s? What did that bring us? So the 90s, mid 90s actually, like end of 94. So 
I guess when we were getting married, Disney brought Halloween both to Disneyland and to Disney World. Disneyland's Halloween revival got off to a rocky start in 1994 because it offered free admission to anybody who would show up in a costume between 6 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. Now, if they said that today, can you even imagine the amount of people that would be there? So if they thought it was a rocky start back in the 90s, whoo, the park quickly reached its capacity and the influx of guests caused a four-hour freeway traffic jam in California. Even even back then. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's saying something. So four hours, it'd probably be 12 hours now. Though it didn't go quite as Disney executives planned, it was obvious people were excited for Disney's not-so-scary version of Halloween. And Disney step, stepped it up the following year with official Halloween parties at Disney World and Disneyland. So they realized the need for more than one party. So... Fast forward to 1995, you know, end of 1994, going into 1995, and Disney World held their very first Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, which is the one that we're most accustomed to in Florida. This soiree was a one-night event that Disney cast members held after the park closed for regular guests. It did not mention that there was an additional fee, which I thought was interesting. And as the event's popularity has grown over the years, the size of the party and additional dates were added to accommodate the demand that it needed. And as we know, those got into months earlier than the actual holiday, like Halloween started in the summer. And so I'm sure we're gonna talk more about that in a minute. So Disneyland dubbed their event, Mickey's Halloween Treat. There were horse-drawn hayrides, Halloween decor on Main Street USA, and even live actors in the Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. How cool would that have been? I think it'd be a little freaky, though. If you weren't used to that, that could have freaked some people out. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been unsettling for live actors to be in those rides. Right. I would, I would think. So then we fast forward a little bit further into the late 90s. Disney brought us friendly Halloween celebrations to Tokyo and Paris. So similar to the U.S. parks, Halloween was a one-day event at Tokyo Disneyland when it debuted in 1998, but by 2004, it had grown to a two-month-long party with a parade, trick-or-treating, specialty merchandise, and the list goes on. And similarly, in France, Halloween was considered an American tradition until the park held its first soiree, Halloween Disney, in 1997, according to the Disney Parks blog. And then by the 2000s, Disney had grown much bigger than a giant Mickey pumpkin at the front gate of the parks. Obviously, things just kept ramping up and ramping up. And we talked about Tokyo's paid version on Wednesday's show, Brad. Yes. This year, they decided to jump on board and not just have Halloween celebrated in the parks like a separate celebration, but instead they decided to have this early morning thing and how the Tokyo guests felt like that they were a little jilted in this. And so it's almost like they tried to go retro the way they'd done it decades before, but that didn't go over so well. They didn't change enough for charging people. And so 
if you didn't hear that, you can go back to Wednesday's episode. I don't want to repeat a lot of the stuff that I already talked about this week because that would be rude for people who listen to it all the time. But I do think it's interesting, which is really one of the reasons that I chose to hit this research up because I was like, I wonder how this all got started and how big was it back then versus how big is it is now? And it's just like everything else. We have to ramp everything up to see if we can have the biggest and best of everything in this world. So at Disney's Disney World, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party kept growing and growing and growing until 2019. So the summer slash fall before the pandemic came to the United States or before we knew it was here. There was 36 nights of Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party hosted. Keep in mind, these are extra ticketed events at this point. So beyond the ticket of the to get into the park, which at that time was somewhere around $109 to $150 a day, depending on what day it was. And then you had to pay an additional $100 or so per person plus tax to come to this party. Now, I will say that that also was the time that Nick got to go to this event with Tim and they had tons and tons and tons of candy that they got at the party. They got to meet all of the seven dwarfs, which is amazing. And they had the cool Halloween parade that's like nothing else that is shown during the regular park hours. So at that point, I feel like it was very well worth it. Um, it also gave European visitors the chance to see what Halloween experiences were like before their summer vacation ended and they had to go back to school. Because again, I really think Halloween is mostly not all, but mostly a North American holiday. I mean, I know that Coco the movie brought about some other parts, but I still think that we sensationalize it more with the costumes and the loads of candy and just the crazy. <laughs> I mean, I think we're somewhat crazy. And by 2019, to look back on the time when this first started and they first started adding in merchandise, it had grown to this humongous thing that we see even today with the numerous themed treats that are served specifically for the Halloween time, some only lasting a couple of weeks. So if you're not at the parks, then you miss out on those treats, stage shows and fireworks, ride overlays and the Magic Kingdom decorated to the hilt. And one detail to look out for at the town square were the crows on Main Street USA. Another thing also, I believe it was started in 2017, so listeners correct me, feel free to text in if I am saying this wrong, but I believe it was either 2016 or 2017 when they introduced the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus into the stage show that went along with the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party. So there were some pretty extravagant things going on. Now, it wasn't Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker and uh, Kathy Najima that were on the stage, but the people that they hired to play those parts were spot on. So now we've taken something that started out as a little parade of pumpkins back from 1959 to this humongous celebration in Florida. And Brad, why don't you tell us about now what it looked like in California? Yeah, so on the Disneyland side, they introduced their Haunted Mansion holiday overlay to the Haunted Mansion back in October of 2001. But Big Thunder Ranch's Halloween Carnival Roundup was really the hub of Halloween when it debuted in 2010. 
There were professional pumpkin carvers, Disney villain meet and greets, crafts, and carnival games, to name a few. So some years, guests could even meet the presidentially pardoned turkeys who came to live their long lives at Big Thunder Ranch after appearing in Disneyland's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Now today, Disneyland gets the same full Halloween overhaul as its counterpart in Florida, but there are a few touches that you can only find at Disneyland in California. One of those touches, Brad, is the overlay that's done to the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland, which of course we've never been lucky enough to go see. That doesn't mean we'll never get to go see it, but it is one of the things that they do. They do the, um, I lost the name of the movie, the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay goes over the Haunted Mansion at Halloween time. And if I'm not mistaken, it stays that way through Christmas because the movie kind of ties that thing all together, which makes Jack and Sally and the Oogie Boogie guy very popular and why it's such a big deal in Disneyland. And um, my friend Angela just got back from Disneyland and we're hoping to do a trip report with her so that we can talk more about that because I know she got to see some things and she can tell me the what's different from Florida and what's different from California, you know, similarities and differences so that we can give that information to you if you've not been to both parks like we haven't. And talking about that overlay, you mentioned Jack. That's Jack Skellington, right? From the yes. movie? Yes. From The Nightmare Before Christmas. And that movie, when it first came out, was not nearly as big as it is now, kind of like Hocus Pocus. And we've talked about that in the past too, that historically that movie wasn't as big when it first came out and it's grown. It's now become a part of pulp, a part of pop culture, which is interesting. Through Halloween at Disney's international parks has obviously grown as well. In addition to jolly pumpkins and fall decor and costume characters, Disneyland Paris pays homage to the Mexican tradition of Dia de los Muertos with lively skeletons and the Haunted Mansion at Tokyo Disneyland received a Haunted Mansion holiday nightmare overlay similar to what I was just talking about for the Disneyland Park in California, as well as the one that's in Shanghai. Shanghai Disneyland joined in the Halloween game in 2017, so they've not been a part of this as long as some of the other parks. They have a villain cavalcade, ghostly pirates inspired by Pirates of the Caribbean, and a DJ-led Guardians of the Galaxy dance party. So there's sounds from what I can tell. I've not been to it, of course, and I've seen YouTube videos, but is a much smaller scale, but they still want to grasp some of that and add it into their culture, which I think is pretty cool. But the DJ-led Guardians of the Galaxy dance party sounds fun. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of what we saw last night here in Branson. Which I hope that's a, just a fun thing. Dance parties are generally a crowd favorite because you can participate without having to really, you know, it's something for the masses Correct. to just do wherever you're standing or right. wherever you're sitting, whatever. All right, so some of the Disney Park Halloween celebrations have turned into a much darker theme. So most of Hong Kong Disneyland's look similar to other Disney parks, but certain experiences take a much darker turn. So a Disney rep was quoted as saying, if you just walk down Main Street, it's a Main Street of fun pumpkins and fun decor. It's everything you would expect from Magic Kingdom. And that's, again, speaking of Hong Kong Disneyland. But they added that there's an area with a haunted house that guests can walk through. Now, I'm assuming that's a little bit darker. Well, yeah, I think so, too. And 
Disney World and Disneyland don't have anything that's like Haunted Mansion could be from some children's perspective considered dark, but they're talking about the people jumping out at you with the chainsaws and rattling of chains and acting like they're gonna get you. That is really on the whole, not a, definitely not a Disney family friendly thing. But again, you have to go with what the mass is like. And as you know, from some of the vloggers that we watch, they really get into this gory blah, stuff that I'm not so big about. And as you well know, I'm not big about it because you took me into a haunted house and I ran into a metal pole trying to get away from somebody. Correct. But I will say, like you said, Halloween has become the Christmas holiday for some people. Yeah. Like it's their thing. That's what they look forward to all year. And it's not just it's not just people who are into the occult or any of that stuff. It's regular people who just really like Halloween and they like dressing up and they like having fun. And I love to dress up for the I mean, I love to decorate our house for the fall. You know, that's like one of my favorite times of the year. But I never realized, I guess, more and more the older I get, maybe. I don't know what it is. I'm noticing the darker it gets and how people are just loving to go to those haunted houses where people are just scaring you till you almost wet your pants. That's not fun for me. <laughs> and I think over time, you know, Disney has morphed and tried to give the people what they want in some respects. It's a balancing act. They have to balance the family friendly with trying to do some edgier things for the people who really want the scare side of it. Which is kind of what I was worried about them doing when they switched the names of the party, which you're gonna talk about in a little bit. Um, we'll talk more about when you get to that. But so let me back up just a little bit more. So in 2019, Disneyland dove a bit deeper into the scary side of Halloween with the inaugural party, Oogie Boogie Bash. Obviously one of the characters from The Nightmare Before Christmas, the villain. They gave out literally bags of bugs and the trick-or-treat trails featured Disney baddies in dark, eerie settings like jumping out at you. While still appropriate for the family, a Disney rep pointed out that it does skew a little older and there is a hint of darkness. So it's a little bit more serious with a little less comedy for younger children. So it really is lending itself more to, I would say, Disney did not say this part, this is Vicky. I would say teenagers and up at least. I think that's kind of what the rep was getting at with his quote, even though he didn't come out and explicitly say it. Right. It's still a Disney Halloween experience, but it's got in some added um, scary for those people that, like Brad said, it's their Christmas. Yes. So bottom line, I guess it's a judgment call, you know, for families. You know your kids best. You know what they would like or be able to handle the best. So use your best judgment when it comes to some of these things, is what I would say. All right, so in 2020, Halloween celebrations didn't happen due to the pandemic, as we all know. Um, in 2021, Halloween celebrations look a little different. They are happening, but they look a little different because of CDC regulations that are still in place to try to help keep guests and cast members safe. Now, Disney World is hosting a downsized version of Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party that they are calling Boo Bash. Now, the Boo Bash hours are less and late at night, and there is not a parade. Plus, the cost has increased. Yes, a lot. 
and the cost range is from $149 to $199 a person plus tax and gratuity. But it's still sold out and Disney even added some nights to accommodate more people. So Disneyland still had the Oogie Boogie Bash, but even it didn't look the same as it did before the pandemic. The Oogie Boogie Bash is so well-loved that regardless of the reduced hours, Disneyland guests bought out the tickets to see their Nightmare Before Christmas characters and more in order to celebrate Halloween the Disney way. So what's gonna happen is the prices are going to continue to rise and you're going to get the same or less for your money until people revolt. That's the bottom line. That's what's happening. So the interesting part to me is Tokyo cho chose to do their party in the morning, which made me, it wouldn't as a guest make me think that it was gonna be something scary. So I feel like that would be a family oriented Halloween party or a Halloween celebration, whatever you want to call it. But Disney moving these parties to after the park regularly closes makes me feel like they're trying to get away from the younger guests coming to the party. I would agree with that. So we're gonna do one of two things here. We're either going to torment younger children because some parents are still gonna wanna come and it's gonna scare those poor kids that are younger. It's gonna scare them of Halloween. It may scare them of going to Disney. I mean, I, you just don't know. Like I did our child, how old was she? Three and a half. Yeah, and I let her watch Chucky. I was like, I think she can handle it. I mean, she did. She did handle it, but I about died. She didn't have any lasting repercussions. It's a joke now, but... But you talked to her about how it wasn't real, and... I did. That is a, that is what I'm seeing in our society is... What I, what I would say is that I don't know that I would do that today if I were to do it again. And that's because of where society is in everything right. that's happening. So I'm just interested to see we could continue this on next year after we see what happens in 2022, because I really feel like Disney's pushing this party to be more of an older adult themed party so that they can go ooey gooier. And they feel like there are guests out there that want that. And, I, and I'm not saying that there's not. I think they could be the market on family friendly and leave the gory to some of the other places. Yeah, I, I'm. you do not have to look far to know that gore and scare are very popular. I mean, flip through Netflix, flip through Hulu. There is some dark stuff on there. Now I'm into the more dark things, much more than you are, Vic. I mean, I know you like your Hallmark happy endings. <laughs> I'm much I'm much more the dark side and you've you've watched a couple of things with me and you're like, this is crazy. This is really sadistic. Because my mind doesn't work that way and I'm praying yours doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It's just I like that kind of stuff for the entertainment value. You like different stuff for the still entertainment value, but a different entertainment value. Right. So, but again, I'm like you. I think if they continue down this route of going later with the parties, getting more dark with the theming and the rides, I think it's they're, they're kind of honing in on a teen or older kind of demographic. I don't know. I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I'm hoping that you're wrong only because I teach seven and eight year olds and they're scared of clowns because of it. Yeah. Now they shouldn't have watched it because that is a 
adult, an adult featured movie and their little minds are not ready for what they're witnessing. When I was seven and eight years old, I had a clown come to my party and that was normal and kids loved clowns. But now you see a clown and kids automatically think about the sewer and yep. the bad things that they saw in those movies or someone has shown them a mean picture of a clown. And they certainly shouldn't be watching Squid Game, which we know some of them have. Right. So um, if you're listening out there, parents, and if you're listening and you have the Disney mind that I think you do, you're probably not letting your children watch these things because I have lots of parents also that do the opposite and their child's only allowed to watch what's on Disney Plus, which God bless you. I mean, there's some things on Disney Plus that are crazy with Marvel and stuff, but for the most part, I don't have to worry about those things living themselves out in my classroom. But sometimes I'm a little scared at one of my students tell me they watch and it causes them to have nightmares and stuff. So I remember when I was little, this will date me. I don't think this movie came out when I was little. I think it was out before then, but The Blob, if you've ever seen it, which now to watch it is hilarious because it's so cheesy. There's, you know, this blob is not gonna come and suck you up or whatever, whatever it was that was the deal in the movie. But I remembered I wanted to watch it so badly. Yeah, that was a bad move. My mom watched it with me, but I had bad dreams about it, so. All that to say, I think it's pretty incontrovertible that the boundaries have changed yes. on what family friendly is. It does not take a rocket scientist to turn on ABC Family now, which is free form. There are some things on there that, I mean, it says it used to be the family, ABC Family. There are things on there that I would not let my child watch today right? if, I were, if they were young. They say it's family, but that has definitely changed over time. All right, you're going to have to, listeners, you're going to have to give us just a minute for me and Vic to step down off of our soapbox because <laughs> we've been on our soapbox the last 10 minutes or so. So here we go. We're, gonna, we're stepping down. So I'm going to wrap it up with, so 1959 started with the Parade of Pumpkins, an innocent little parade where people carved pumpkins and brought a chaperone to get a free ticket into Disneyland. And now we've gone to overlays in the park astronomical prices that people would probably have a heart attack in 1959 thinking well let's think i don't remember what year your mom and dad built their house but they built their house for twelve hundred twelve thousand dollars <laughs> and a family of five would have had to pay a thousand dollars plus tax to go to the boobash your your dad would probably have a coronary if he knew that i could have bought my house 12 for twelve thousand dollars and that would be the only how many people 60 people getting to go to the boobash on halloween so we've come far some good some bad you decide whatever it is that you like if halloween is your christmas then i'm happy for you um i'm just saying i hope disney stays on the family friendly side of things more than on the gory side of things i hope this was insightful for you i learned a lot and i hope you learned a lot a few final reminders before we sign off. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment, you can email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com or text us at 636-395-0544. If you'd like to book a trip or you just want a free quote, email me at vicky.black at yourstorytravel.com or call me at 636-373-4497. You can make a reservation for a $200 refundable deposit. You can check us out on our social media accounts, yourstorytravel.com, our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, or on our Instagram, yourstorytravel 
underscore Vicky Black, no space, all lowercase, V-I-C-K-I-E-B-L-A-C-K. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish the latest rumors and news and chat with the gang. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Well, Brad, I think it's about that time. Disney love. Just keep swimming. Have a magical day, my friends. So here is a riddle to guess if you can sing the bells of Notre Dame. What makes a monster and what makes a man? Whatever that pitch you can feel, then bewitch you the rich and the ritual.